This is Tim Staten with Tim Stating the Obvious. What is this podcast about? It's simple. You are entitled to great leadership everywhere you go, whether it's to church, whether it's to work, whether it's at your house, you are entitled to great leadership. And so in this podcast, we take leadership principles and theories and turn them into everyday relatable and usable advice. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Tim Stating the Obvious. Before we get into this episode, I want to take a quick moment and say thank you to the Nature Boy for commenting and leaving a review this uh, last couple weeks. He said, this podcast has been fundamental for me lately. It's been the single driving force for me, striving harder and noticing shortcomings I didn't even know I had. I've been thinking a lot lately about how this podcast can help and add value to your everyday life and professional life. I don't necessarily want people to view shortcomings of themselves, but if something in this podcast can help you see something differently or think something differently on a topic than you normally would, then I'm glad that you listened to this episode and got something out of it. The entire premise of this podcast is that we select a leadership theory or principle, we talk about it, and then we provide a couple of everyday practical applications for it. Um, so if you got some value out of that, you know, I am, gr- you know, I am very appreciative of you. Uh, one, that you stopped by, you listened to it. And the second thing is that you got something out of it. And the third thing is, is that you actually left, uh, you know, you commented and you left a review and you let me know what you think to give me some feedback. So I really appreciate it. Uh, so the Nature Boy, thank you so much uh, for leaving a review and sharing your insights and comments. I really do appreciate it and you know for anybody else out there you know if you you get something out of this you know just leave me a note and and let me know what you think because uh, that actually one helps other people when they come to this podcast and they think well is this something i should listen to i'm pretty sure people go to the reviews and they take a look at it and then they go oh yeah this is something i could i could benefit from so in this podcast every point of view that i take is from uh your point of view um, you know, at least I try my best to consider your point of view and what value, you know, what do you get out of it uh, from listening to this? So hopefully uh, when you listen to this podcast, you can get one or two things that you can take from it and incorporate it into your everyday life, or you can put it into your own leadership style and you can make that better. Or even better yet, uh, maybe you're not in a leadership position yet, but you're watching your current leadership and you can take away some things of, okay, they're doing these things right and they're not really doing these other things right. So I'm not gonna repeat those same mistakes when I get into a leadership position or a leadership role. I'm not gonna do those things that I didn't like uh, and that you remember it. And so that way you don't keep repeating the same vicious cycle of poor leadership. So thank you for leaving a comment. So now we're going to get into our next episode. So in our last episode, we talked about having a higher order of thinking skills like innovation, critical thinking, and problem solving. And in this episode, we talked, we're going to talk about category three of life skills, which are emotional intelligence and interpersonal skills, which, you know, makes up conflict management, teamwork, and communication. So have you ever worked with somebody and they always seem to rub people the wrong way? Or have you worked with people that seem to not gauge the other team's reaction well? Um, Maybe you seem to feel like people around you are annoyed by you and don't understand your position or point of view when you're trying to communicate an idea or a topic with them uh, that you're passionate about. Being able to communicate with coworkers, direct reports, and higher levels of leadership is critically important to the success you will have in and out of the workplace. 
interpersonal skills go a long way. But if you look up the definition of like what interpersonal skills are, you'll find that they define the word as skills that contribute to dealing successfully with other people. And I don't really like that definition. And, and here's why. Let's take a look at that for a minute. Uh, so what? who defines success in an interaction between two people, right? So it says, you know, being able to successfully deal with other people's and skills that contributed to that. But who defines the success in that? So using this definition, let's let's look at an example of like going through any drive through window at any fast food or quick serve uh, place for interpersonal skills. Think of one in your head. And you think that you drive up to the window, you roll your window down, and you wait for the verbal cue of what do you want? There may or may not be some added extra words to it, but that's the basics of it, right? You, to get you to respond with what you want. So you respond with what you want. They tell you the total. They may or may not repeat back uh, what you told them. And then you drive around to the window. You pay for your food. They hand you the food and you drive off. By that definition... That was a successful interpersonal skill interaction in both parts by the previous definition. And why? Well, you had to deal with somebody else to get something that you wanted. Did you accomplish your goal? Did I get what I wanted? Yes, I went to a place and I paid for food and I got it. Success. But if you look at that, you know, we got to look at it a little bit deeper. Okay, so let's take a look at it this way. There is so much more to human communication and interaction. You know, there's body language, social cues, verbal tones and emphasis, and people having feelings and emotion. The whole encounter could have happened, and it could have been the worst experience uh, you had and you felt during that interaction. And if it was on the customer's end, it may be a lot longer than you think before they decide to go back to that restaurant or that fast food place. So interpersonal skills are much more than that. And that is why I go off of emotional intelligence and the emotional quotient of a person. So emotional intelligence is your ability to recognize yours and other people's emotions and to feel the difference between feelings appropriately and use this emotion and it and use this emotional information to guide your thinking and behavior during interactions with people right studies have shown that people with higher higher levels of emotional intelligence skills have better mental health more have more impactful leadership traits and perform better at work with technology being the way it is today it can be very hard to determine the emotions between text messaging or social media posts like unless it's a video post or even um that you know even that can have its own issues with really understanding the intent behind what someone's trying to portray you know so we have almost two generations now that have grown up with technology and socially interact without face-to-face -face communication texting has become the staple of communication versus a phone call you know at work we would rather use a slack message or microsoft teams message instead of getting up and going to ask the face-to-face -face question interestingly enough ways to improve emotional intelligence you know, we've talked about that uh, in part two, which talks about self-awareness and self-management. By working on those two areas, you can improve your overall emotional intelligence by being more in tune with how you are feeling and what you're feeling. Being able to understand that when you're having an interaction with somebody, you have emotions too. So being able to determine, okay, what are my emotions and why am I feeling what I'm feeling? So that way, when you interact with somebody, you can take a look at that. Okay, this is what I'm feeling and this is why I'm feeling what I'm feeling. Now I need to understand what that other person is feeling and why they're feeling what they're feeling, feeling to seek understanding. So that's the biggest difference. 
between interpersonal skills and emotional intelligence, right? So emotional intelligence are a set of skills that can help interpersonal skills, but I would say focus on your emotional intelligence uh, factor more so than just being able to talk to people. Because just because you can talk to somebody doesn't mean, one, that you're seeking understanding, or two, that you understand them. So the last area to work on with increasing with increasing our emotional intelligence is social awareness. We need to understand the emotions of others and have empathy to become better. And that's what we just talked about. You know, being able to understand where that other person is coming from so that way we can communicate to them at a place where they will receive it. So in working on this can help us become better communicators. Communication is very important uh, in your personal life and in your professional life. You know, and I explain that communication is like an email. Just because you send an email out to somebody doesn't mean that the other person, one, received it. It doesn't mean that they read it. And even if they read it, they may have read it incorrectly or they may have or they may have read it correctly. But being able to speak so that the other person understands our point of view and facts on the subject is critical to success. Just because you say something doesn't mean the other person heard you or understood you. When writing, it's even more important to get to the point clearly and concisely. The average person has about a 35 second attention span when it comes to written communication. If you do not grab their attention up front and clearly get your point across, you can quickly find yourself in the boat of not being heard or misunderstood. And I have come to find this more so in the recent uh, years than when I was more junior. I had uh, bosses and leaders used to tell me, you're very long-winded in your emails. You're very long-winded in your emails. And my thought process was, is, well, I want to be thorough. I want to make sure that you understand what I'm saying, what I'm saying, and I want you to get all the details behind it. But you know, now that I'm in uh, you know positions of greater responsibility, and I have about 400 to 500 emails a day that I got to get through, and I limit myself on how much time I spend on email, so that way I can get around and talk to people and see what's going on and have interaction with people. So I specifically limit my email. But what I also do is I also tell people, you know, one get my attention in the subject line. Uh, and so I tell people right up front, you know, especially if, if we're going to work together, I say, look, you know, if it's some information, right? If you're sending me information, something that you think I just need to know, but don't need to read like right now in quotation marks or in parentheses at the beginning of the email, just put information and then whatever subject that you're putting. If you need me to do something, like if you're asking me to action something, if you need me to weigh in on something, put action in the subject line. That way when I'm looking through, oh, action, I need to action this. Let me see what this is. If you need me to make a decision on something, put for decision in parentheses up front in the subject line. Oh, okay, somebody's waiting on me to make a decision on something. They can't do something else until I act and make a decision on this. So that way I can sift through you know, very quickly what's important And what's kind of nice to need to know, but not necessarily very vital or important. And 17 years ago, I read a book called Talk Less, Say More. And I find it very useful to today. One, because all my previous bosses and leadership said, hey, you're very long-winded. You tell too much up front. You know, just give give me what's important. Give me what's important. And I find the same thing today telling the same thing to other people. Just give me what's important. What, what What are we doing? Give me what's important. And so I found this book to be very helpful because it helps you understand, you know, what are the most important things to say and to say it up front, right? So this is your bottom line up front, or this is your bluff, 
writers for newspapers do this often. Uh, when I was in college and I was taking um, one of my newspapers classes that I had to take for a communications course, they talked about writing in a in a inverted pyramid style or a pyramid style where you put the most important information up front because the likelihood of anybody reading the whole article is very slim. Only those who are truly interested in about that topic or that, that specific article will read the entire article. It has nothing to do about you as a person or your writing ability. It has to do with the person on the other end and them wanting to view and, you know, and listen to, to get what they want, right? So what do people want? They want the big idea up front and then you give them the details later. And if they really want more details then they'll read down below and get the rest of them, you know, as they get there. So oftentimes meter, you know, leaders may or may not want the backstory to everything. They may just trust your judgment and say, okay, just just give me what I need to help me get you what you're looking for because that's why we're having this interaction. So think about it of like a two-minute pitch. What are the most key critical things to tell somebody in two minutes or less? Then if they want to know more, they'll ask for it. And be ready to give the details once they ask for it. Because in the world of like fluff and excess, you don't want to make your leadership sift through what's important to find out what's really important. So you need to do that for them. So that way you can let them know, hey, this is what I think is really important. And then if they think you missed something, they're probably going to ask some details. And then that way they get their perspective on it. And I don't know how many times I've had people come in my office and they come by to talk to me. And of course, it's usually right when I'm in the middle of something. But I stop what I'm doing and I and I talk to them because they're there and it's very important. So I give my full attention. And about 35 seconds into them talking, I find myself going, what are we talking about? I have no idea what we're talking about. So then I have to stop them from talking and say, okay, I see that like this is important to you. And, you know, it's important enough for you to bring this to my attention. And you have more knowledge and background information than I do. So I just need you to tell me, like, what is it that we're talking about? Like, I'm not trying to be rude. And I know it comes across as rude. But, like, tell me, like, what it is that we're talking about. Like, what aspect are we talking about? And then tell me why you think it's important and what you need me to do about it. And that helps the person rearrange their thought process in their mind to be like, okay, this is what I'm here for. This is why it's important. This is what I need, or this is what I don't need. I just wanted to let you know. So if you can communicate clearly and you work on that skill, uh, that goes a long way to want interpersonal relationships and interpersonal skills. It goes back to your emotional intelligence portion of it, right? Where you're like, okay, I need to talk to the person to where they will hear and understand what I'm trying to communicate to them. So if you can do that clearly and you can communicate clearly, then that will help you with teamwork. And teams come in many forms and functions. Some team members may be in the same career field as you and other team members may not. You may be on a multifunctional team or a cross-functional team. So you have to learn to communicate like without a specific you know, career field or niche jargon so people can understand what you and your director's position is and what you need from them and how you can contribute to them and how they can contribute to you you know so i did a whole series on team building um in season one so if you want to go check that out um you know it's like a five part or six part mini series i did on on how to build teams but i would recommend that you go there first 
And if you're like, oh, well, you know, I want to know more about teams. Well, that'd be a great place for you to go start and take a look there. Uh, but you have to be able to work on teams. You know, as most organizations are, you know, conglomerate of teams of teams. If you've never worked in a team before, I would recommend that you focus on the five C's, which are communication, camaraderie, confidence, coachability, and commitment. Uh, with the big two are being communication and commitment. Right, you got to be able to talk to people. You got to be able to receive feedback from people, and you have to be able to be committed to the team. Let everybody know and show everybody through your actions, not just words, that you're there for the team and that you're there to help the team succeed and get better. Uh, and then I would say probably coachability after that. Uh, you got to be able to take feedback. You got to be able to move on, and you got to be able to move forward. Uh, you're never perfect. No one's perfect. Every time. Uh, you work on a team, um, you know, everything is different and more difficult. And that's okay. Because as you know, when you're working with other people and they're trying to do the best job that they can, you're trying to do the best job that you can. You can. And we already talked about how we all have emotions and we're tied to an idea. And conflict is going to arise. But conflict is healthy and it can be unhealthy. But healthy conflict pushes each team member to do better and bring about new ideas. Unhealthy conflict causes people to shut down and not contribute to the team. Being able to distinguish between the two can change people. And it, and it could be for the better or for the worse. But we have to understand that not all criticism is adverse. Sometimes people ask questions and challenge what you have presented because they may try to seek understanding. You know, I worked with somebody who would always ask questions and people like, man, this person always hates me. He's always like getting after me and then pretty soon the entire organization started taking that feeling this guy just does not like anybody or anybody's opinion or anybody's input and he literally got up in one meeting and told everybody he was like look he was like i don't want you to feel that i don't value what you're bringing to the table because i do he goes but i am asking questions and i'm challenging you because i am trying to understand because you know more than me on this subject I am trying to catch up to you, so I'm asking questions that make sense in my mind to help me get to where you're at so that we can either make a decision or we can refine something and then move forward. And that's really stuck with me over the years because, you know, there's a lot of people who don't seek understanding and, and there's a lot of people and leaders out there who don't try to seek understanding. But that conflict that arises can be good and healthy, but we have to let people know where that conflict is coming from and that it's coming from a good place. It's not coming from a negative place. So because they may be able to see a flaw in your idea or they may be trying to see where they can contribute to your idea, or they may try to make the idea better and something that you didn't think of. You know, and being able to work through conflict is what will set you apart from your peers. Your ability to disagree with somebody without being a disagreeable person will make you money in with your leadership. I don't know how many times I have seen great people become disagreeable people when somebody disagreed. It's okay to have disagreements, but you don't need to change who you are as a person um, and, and emotionally invested into something to the point where somebody challenges it. You change who you are as a person, become a disagreeable person. You can agree to disagree. It's okay. Anyone on a team should be able to voice their opinions without fear of intimidation or reprisal, right? So likewise, you should be able to voice your disagreement without attacking somebody else. So just like you, you expect 
other people to challenge your ideas and ask you questions and disagree with you, you should be able to do the same thing to them uh, within your left and right limits because that's what we do as teams, right? We try to refine things and make things better. And conflict is inevitable. It'll happen. So my advice is is don't be 100% married to your idea. 100 support your idea and know that it may change and people will have input and they should have input into your idea. And remember, you will have ideas that are bad. You are a human being and that is okay. We all have bad ideas. You know, I'm reminded of uh, the Lego movie where uh, Emmett, you know, the main character Emmett, and they're like, oh, you're a master builder. Build something. So he like freaks out and he builds a double-decker couch. And everyone was like, well, that's a horrible idea. Like, you know, if you're on the bottom, you're on like the first couch and somebody's on the second couch and you're trying to watch the tv and and you're looking through people's feet you know that's a horrible idea it seemed like a worthless idea and at the time and for the environment it was a bad idea however later on the movie was the only thing that floated and saved them when they ended up in the uh in the ocean we're all gonna have bad ideas and that's okay and you know you have to keep your ideas um out there so that way a good idea can be flushed out as a bad idea or flushed out in a group setting and made into a stronger idea. And maybe you have a good idea. And as you're, you know, going through the process of refining it and honing it, it just becomes irrelevant or unnecessary and no longer valid. And that's okay. But we all need to remember that working in a team, you should seek understanding through the conflict instead of trying to be right. Even if you are right. Because if you... you Go from a place of trying to be right, you're always going to find yourself being wrong because everybody else is going to be turning against you. So you have to always, you know, work through conflict, through seeking understanding through the conflict, and hopefully you'll be able to convince people that you are correct and that that is the appropriate way to go. But that's okay if the group decides not to do that. So these are just the tip of the iceberg on the interpersonal skills and what will set you apart from your peers. It seems simple. Uh, However, practical application is much harder than you think and requires you to be intentional about every single interaction, which in itself is incredibly difficult and could be taxing on your mind, right? So if it's not a skill that you've already developed, but you're intentionally interacting and you're treating every interaction with every person with judging what are your emotions? What are their emotions? How can I talk to them so they can understand me? How can we work through conflict to, so that we, we can reach a mutual understanding at the end and not seek who is right and who is wrong? So with that, you know, that can be incredibly tiresome, having to work through every single interaction like that. But the more you work on it, the more second nature it becomes, the more habit it becomes, the more easy flowing it becomes. And then that is going to set the things that will set you apart from your peers and it'll be very noticeable. So I hope you like this episode about the life skills and having interpersonal skills. If you haven't followed or subscribed to this podcast, please do that before you leave and hit that notification icon so you can be alerted when a new episode comes out. Also, I would ask that if you could share this podcast with one or two other people who you think might like it, uh, please do that. And again, thank you for stopping by and listening. I'm Tim Staten, stating the obvious.